which my wife comes from a, a large family. She's five of six, so there's a lot of siblings, a lot of aunts and uncles, and all of them have three and four children each. So there'll be 20 or 30,000 at our home this afternoon. And then my whole family's up here, and so there's, there's 10 Woodhams. So there's, it's a, there's a full house, a full nursery, by the way, today. But it's, uh, it'll be a full house. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, in, in our, I'm going to try to be careful here. Um, I think how to say when when you're married to a a, a woman like I am to uh, to my wife Madeline, uh, we're not just going to have a cake and a birthday party for Graham. Like that's too simple, right? We've got to we got to decorate the house and we got to we got to make this thing look good. But again, there's so many people coming in. We got to bring in furniture. There's nowhere for them to sit. I mean, I'm partial to to the floor, but uh, but we got to bring in some chairs. And so we got to borrow some chairs and bring some stuff in. And and it's fun. It's it's exciting. But uh, but with that. I feel like it's just best sometimes, maybe some of you men in the, in the congregation, you can relate. Sometimes I feel like it's best to just, just get out of the house. Like, you want, you're trying to survive, right? Like, it's better for the marriage if you just flee the scene. And so, uh, so I took note of, of the leaves in the yard. And I said, you know what, this, I'm going to take, take care of this. Which, first of all, I think it's foolish to rake leaves and to, to blow leaves. Because, because, like, it's just it's where God wanted them, clearly. Like, this is what... And so, so I look at it that way, and I'm so far right-brained. I like the, the colors and the, the, the textures. I like the crunch when you step on it. I like looking at leaves. In fact, we, I put in a special request. I just wanted leaves on the ground this morning for the altar. So here's a nice visual aid for you. Uh, if you haven't seen it, take a you know, walk back here on your way out. But, uh, but I like that. I like the leaves on, on the ground. And so I spent yesterday a good two and a half, three hours just blowing leaves down our, our yard. And it's up to, you know, shin high to your, to your knee, just this pile of leaves, the, the whole length of our yard by the road. And then, uh, and then the storm comes last night. You can't even tell. Like, you can't even tell I did anything. It's just so, so I really feel like that was God's way of saying, don't mess. When I, when I drop leaves on your yard, don't move them, all right? They're here for a reason. And so I'll never again do the leaves. Like, I've just, I've decided... And, uh, but marriage is good, and, uh, and we're, we're okay. It's going to be a good day for Graham. It's been a lot of fun planning, but that's been our week. So it's been a lot of fun, excitement about family coming in this week. It's been great. Uh, a few years ago, um, not many, three or four, uh, and this wasn't some godly moment of, of you know, me being some excellent Christian, but I was looking at the trees one, one day in the fall, and I, and I love this time of year, more than the spring, even though the spring's beautiful for other reasons. I like the fall leaves. I like, I like uh, the, the orange and the browns and the yellows and reds. I like that. And so I was looking a couple years ago at these trees, and I was thinking, you know, what, what is taking place? I think they're beautiful, but what's taking place for me to say this is beautiful? Because I didn't say they were beautiful a month before when they were green, but now that they're multiple colored, I, I, look, I'm, yeah, I'm, this is beautiful to me. Well, in the autumn, because of the, the changes in, in temperature, Leaves stop their food-making process. The chlorophyll breaks down, and the leaves are dying, right? So when I look at these trees, and I'm looking at death, but I would say, man, this is beautiful to me. And something about leaves. Maybe just
we've got more time than anybody else and it's it's literally that empty seat in the church i commit to you those seats hopefully in the near future i've not got that plan but i again i don't want us to leave everything in the service of jesus or to be closed on him and to leave this place empty-handed thank you for blessing that he says salt is good but if it loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again it is neither fit for soil nor the manure pile but is thrown out he who has ears to hear let him hear we also see in um in, in matthew 5 13 through 16 similar language of jesus is talking about salt and light and, and ultimately he says you, know, you are salt and light and, and again in a in a dying and dark a decaying and dark world but what is salt used for well, it adds flavor, but also it's, it's preserving. You know that. Again, it preserves meat. And uh, I remember being in Africa for three months, and one of those months we were in Uganda, and uh, twice a week they had a market. You, you just walk down to the market, and you could buy a shirt or sheep or you know, food, whatever it was. But they would have some kind of animal just hanging in a tree. And on, on this particular day, they had a cow strung up in a, in a tree. And if you wanted meat, which you get a lot of rice and beans and, and um, a little tortilla that they call chapati, but it's like a little tortilla. And so you don't have a ton of meat there. We weren't eating meat every day. And so, boy, we wanted some meat. After, after a good three months, we were ready to have some meat. And so we went to this little market, and there's a cow hanging in a tree. And then you just, you know, tell the little butcher what you want, and they would just chop off with a little machete some meat and then hand it to you. I'm talking like some skin attached to it, everything. Like it was just like the, the black and white fur of the cow. They just chop it off, put it in a little baggie for you, and, and, and have a good day. Then you would go back to, uh, to our home because we didn't have a refrigerator, and you would just pound the meat with a hammer. Then you would sprinkle salt on it, wrap it up, and then, and then it would just sit on the counter for a, for a couple of days until you, we were ready to cook it. And that was how we, how we would eat. So when I read this, this passage, when I think of salt, that's certainly what I'm thinking about. More than the flavors, that's what I'm thinking about. It was meant to preserve something. So here's Jesus saying, salt is good. So it was good maybe when we first became believers, but have over time have our hands become closed on the things that, that, that we've loved. And now we're more devoted to these things. We're more devoted to, I'm more devoted to Madeline than I am God. That better not be the case. And she will benefit when I get that right. And my son will benefit when I love God more than my son. My parents will benefit when I love God more than them. And I will benefit when my mom and dad love the Lord more than they love me. I will benefit from that. And so Jesus says, salt is good, but if you lose your saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And please don't miss this part. 35, it is, it is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The second half of, of this verse uh, always strikes me because I always wonder why, why I don't hear Christians talk about this part as much. Uh, when Jesus says, if you lose your saltiness, you're not good for the soil, you're not good for dirt, but also, you couldn't season, you couldn't preserve a pile of manure. And let that sink in for a second. If we lose our saltiness, we couldn't even, you could tell no distinction between the salt and the manure pile. Again, that's not my words. In my NIV, that's what it says, manure pile, that's what it says. Have we lost our saltiness? Are we so unwilling to die to ourselves that we, couldn't even, we can't preserve that? let alone preserve the earth that God has said, this is yours. I'm, I'm, I'm ascending into heaven here. I'm leaving this with you. You're responsible for being the salt and the light now. Again, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world while he's here, but before he leaves, what does he say? You're the light of the world. 
When he's on earth, he says, all authority has been given to me. But then what does he say before he ascends to heaven? I'm giving you this authority. Now go with the authority that I have. Look at Matthew or Luke, sorry, Luke 17. We'll go 11 through 19 and we'll, we'll end here. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. So they're on the outskirts of, of town. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. All right, so this, this isn't, kind of at first glance, this might sound cruel of Jesus who can heal them. Why wouldn't he just heal them? Why did he say, hey, I see that you ten have leprosy. You're calling out to me, but go reveal yourself to the priest. Well, the reason he did that is because the Old Testament tradition were to, if you had leprosy, really you would call out unclean every time you saw somebody. You would stay on the outskirts of town, and if you, somebody was passing your direction, you had to let them know, hey, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Whether it's leprosy or some other disease, I'm unclean, keep your distance, because you might become unclean because of me being unclean. And then they would have to go present themselves to the priest for the priest to pronounce them clean or not. So Jesus, when he says, go and reveal yourself to the priest, he's keeping in terms of the Jewish custom here. But along the way, ten of all ten are healed, and so one of them, verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, rise and go. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So my question for us, even when in reading this, is are you, am I, like the one who returns to Jesus after receiving the blessing or do we say thank you for the blessing I'll have another and we just keep going about our day going about our business or do we come back as this individual and this man and throw yourself at the feet of Jesus I mean are we even crying hey Lord look Lord I'm unclean to which Jesus would say no 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 get in here let me wrap my arms around you let me clean you up and then the result of that is, do we walk away or do we come back towards him? Throw ourselves at his feet and we're thanking him for all that he's done for us. Is anything keeping you from dying to yourself today and turning around and coming back to Jesus today? Is anything standing in between you and God? Or is there something that might need to be resolved between you and him? Is anything keeping you from giving Jesus thanks today? Are you bitter that something has happened recently? So now I, it's hard for me to give him thanks when I'm mad at him. For sure it is. But you, you, maybe you should worship and give him thanks anyway. And that'll, maybe that'll take care of this anger and hostility you have toward him. Because Jesus is worthy. So worthy of our thanks and our praise. And for us to come to him, fall at his feet and just say to you be all the glory. 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul says this, four little words, I think they're beautiful words, heavy words, but Paul says, I die every day. It's very simple. I die every day. Can you and I make that claim? Because Jesus says, if you can't, you can't be my disciple. You're not worthy of me unless you're willing to, to lose everything for my name's sake and for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the gospel. Are we willing to die to ourselves? And it may be that the reason we don't come back and, fall and throw ourselves at Jesus' feet and thank Him for what He's done is because it might be that on some level we think we're responsible for our greatness. 
So yes, God is good, but I work hard. I have a strong intellect, and I have been given great opportunity. So I, I helped God. I helped achieve some of my greatness. Do you still see it that way, or do you see, no, 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 God is 100% responsible for, for all the good that we have. You know, you might be intelligent, but God gave you the ability to be intelligent. God gave you the intelligence. Surely you didn't just go out and acquire intelligence, because if that's the case, why didn't you get more than what we already had? Why did you stop at where you stopped with intelligence? Why didn't you get even smarter than that? Surely even our intelligence is a gift from God. So we have nothing we're going to stand before God and with some resume and boast before you to say this is why I don't have to come to you and give you things because at this, at this area I did it. Surely that's not the posture of our hearts and I hope it isn't. I mean, Paul would say I die every day. I've been crucified with Christ. Jesus is going to say die to yourself. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. And I hope we'll be like the one Samaritan who comes back throwing ourselves at the feet of Jesus crying, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. God, I do thank you for the forgiveness of sins. I thank you that you are a loving, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, God. God, chisel away any pride that we may have that we've accomplished anything. God, would you humble us? But God, also, I thank you for those who are faithful to you and have been faithful to you for many, many years. Always looking at every situation as being about the kingdom. Even if they're at a restaurant, Lord, the, the relationship you have with a waiter is about the kingdom of God. Help us to see our neighbors, our friends, and our family. The car we drive. Help us to see everything that we have as being about the kingdom. And how can we glorify you with our family, with our time, with our tongues, with our homes? God, how can we give you the glory? I pray above everything you are glorified. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.